Hey, it's Dallas, and I have a question for you. But first, let me set the mood. Let's imagine you're going out to dinner. Maybe it's a first date and you want things to be just perfect. Or maybe it's you and your significant other's 200th date. And even at 200 dates, you still want the date to be special. You both pick a very nice restaurant. Let's say it's an Italian restaurant in this case. Bonjour. Nothing too fancy, but nice enough that you expect a certain type of an experience, a quality selection, and a certain level of service. And now the time has come. You get to the restaurant, you get seated at your very nice table. It's not too close to the kitchen. It's away from the entrance and away from the restrooms. But you can see the bar and you can feel the energy, but you're far enough away from the bar to not be distracted by the noise. So far, so good. And now you have an important decision to make. Maybe the most important decision of the night. What would you like to drink? You know that you and your date prefer red wine. It's an Italian restaurant after all. And you'll probably want a whole bottle. So you pull out the menu and you notice that for bottles of red, you have two choices. The first bottle of wine is $40. The second bottle of wine is $80. The server tells you that the $80 bottle of wine is indeed the better wine. But the $40 bottle is also good, just not as good as the $80 bottle. Now for the question, which one would you choose? I want you to take just a little bit longer on this one so you have some time to not just think about which bottle of wine you would choose, but also why. Try to keep in your memory which variables came into play in your decision making, and then I'll be right back with a follow-up question. Okay, now let's reframe the question a little bit. Right before you can tell your server which bottle of wine you want, the server tells you about an off-menu bottle of wine, the 2016 Dominus Estate Christian Moet, priced at $200. Wow. Now, faced with three options instead of two, which do you choose? As a reminder, you have the $80 bottle of wine, which is now the middle price point, the least expensive option at $40, or the Christian Moet at $200. Take a second and consider it. Okay, so I don't know which bottle you're gonna choose, and I never will, because we'll probably never go on a date, but, I know that some of you who originally chose the $80 bottle decided to move up in price to the $200 bottle when the $200 Christian Moet was introduced. And I know that some of you who originally chose the $40 bottle, the least expensive, decided to go with the $80 bottle of wine when the $200 bottle was added. What? I also know that none of you moved down a price point when the third tier was added. How do I know this? Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll dive in. This is Dallas McLaughlin, and you're listening to Unconsidered, the podcast where we get inside the mind of the modern entrepreneur, business owner, and marketer. We, for lack of a better word, is good. If you don't know which door to open, always account for variable change. There is a zero percent chance. You dropped 150 grand on a fucking education, could have got for a dollar fifty in late charge. Tell me something I don't already know. Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetime. We should celebrate. We're in a completely fraudulent system. It's a it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. It doesn't exist. One of the earliest and most concise pieces of research on what is happening here was published in 1983 by the Journal of Consumer Research. The article was titled Market Boundaries and Product Choice, Illustrating Attraction and Substitution Effects. Researchers in this experiment wanted to understand how a buyer's decision was impacted by adding or removing choices from a buying decision. 
More directly, they wanted to understand how the buyer's decision could be influenced in a way that causes the buyer to more frequently make a buying decision that favors the seller. Even more directly, how do we make people spend more money? How the researchers set out to test this was to develop a baseline by asking the first group of respondents to choose between two options at a restaurant, a better tasting, more expensive meal, or a meal that wasn't quite as good, but was less expensive. The more expensive meal in this research was referred to as the target price, because the restaurant wants to sell as many of these as possible. The less expensive is called the competitor price, because it takes buyers away from the more expensive meal, which is bad for the restaurant, but it's still a price that gives even the lower spending customers an entry point into the business. After they ran the first experiment and the baseline was set, they introduced a third option to a new group of respondents. The third option, called the decoy price, was priced even more expensive than what was previously the most expensive option. So now we have three price points. We have the competitor price, which is the low-cost, inexpensive option. It doesn't make the business much money, but doesn't cost the business anything. The target price, which is what the business has the highest margins on and hoping to sell the most of, and now the new decoy price, which is the most expensive, intentionally overpriced option because it's not necessarily intended to actually be purchased. Now, an easy assumption would be that adding the higher price decoy would just attract buyers from the target price, previously the most expensive option, by convincing them to spend a little more on the decoy price, so moving people from the middle to the most expensive. And you'd think the cheapest option would remain unaffected. You would think that if a person is going to buy the cheapest option originally, the competitor price, they would still buy the cheapest option even when a more expensive item is added. What the researchers actually found was fascinating and incredibly important for anybody selling anything to keep in their back pocket. Not only did people choose to spend more when the decoy price was added, moving up from the target price to the decoy price from the middle to the top, even more surprising was that when the decoy price was added, more people from the least expensive meal group chose to move up to the middle price point, from the least expensive competitor price to the middle target price. The higher priced decoy actually created what's called a double positive effect. The amount of buyers choosing the least expensive option decreased, the percentage of buyers who chose the target price increased, and some buyers even chose the new higher priced decoy price. Adding the decoy price increased the probability of respondents choosing the target price. This phenomenon became known as the decoy effect. It's also sometimes referred to as the attraction effect. By adding an often irrelevant option to an existing set of choices, the percentage of people buying the more desirable choice, to the business that is, actually increases. To fully understand the power of the decoy effect and how it works, we have to first understand what is known as rational choice theory. Rational choice theory tells us that when individuals are faced with a decision, most often the first thing they will do is evaluate their own self-interest to make that decision. And typically that decision will be made in a manner that leads to their greatest benefit. Basically, people will do whatever is best for them. Rational choice theory gets a little bit more complex when we take into consideration that what is best for one person may not be best for the next, or even the majority. This is because how a person decides what is in their best interest, or what is rational choice for them, is completely up to their personal preferences. For example, one person may decide that cutting alcohol out of their diet is in their best interest because it will protect their health over the long term, while another person may decide that happy hours and thus alcohol 
are important to relieving their stress, networking with colleagues, and growing their social circles, creating a net positive in their life. While these decisions are the complete opposite of each other, both individuals feel their decision is the best decision, or the rational choice, as it achieves the best result for themselves. People will do what they believe is the best for them, their most rational decision. And now that we understand rational choice theory, it's easier to see why the decoy effect is so important, and you can see why when it's used correctly, it becomes one of the most valuable marketing and manipulation tools we have available. Because as marketers, as business owners, or salespeople, we don't always want the buyer making a rational decision. That is, a decision that's in their best interest. We want them to make decisions that favor us, the business, a decision that is in our best interests. For example, if everyone walked into the Apple store and bought the most reasonably priced iPhone with storage only for what they need and used that phone for six years until it reached its end of life, well, we can all agree that that's probably a rational thing to do. Apple wouldn't be a trillion dollar company if they weren't equipped to overcome that. Trust me, I understand that it's often believed it's the ethical and responsible thing for businesses to actually sell the customer what is truly in their best interest, but frankly, that's not always the case. For example, an alcohol company doesn't want you to stop drinking alcohol in the interest of your health, so they make it look fun and social and exciting. They build attraction by associating alcohol with things you already love, like vacations and concerts and sports. They make drinking alcohol seem like something you want to do, even a reward you deserve at the end of a hard day, despite that it may actually run against your best interests. And guess what? You do it. Because we all make a lot of irrational decisions in our everyday life. And a lot of those bad decisions are driven by marketing and advertising and businesses convincing us that we should do it. The decoy effect, which is the ability to build attraction to the target price or target decision, is the tool that allows us as marketers and business owners to compete against and overcome a buyer's default rational decision making. To spend more, to shop more frequently, and to do both of those things with us, the business. This happens because the decoy price creates a shift of the perceived value of a product or service. The decoy price makes the target price seem more attractive and seem more rational. The higher irrational decoy price does this by making the target price seem like the safer choice by raising the perceived value of the target price relative to the cheaper competitor price. When a buyer feels like the target price is the safest choice because the decoy price is too expensive and not all of us want the cheapest option either, the target price makes it much easier for the buyer to justify their decision to themselves and those around them. Because when a buyer chooses the middle, they can say, well, I didn't overspend and I wasn't cheap. I went right in the middle. I made the safe choice. A feeling that they, without the decoy price, may not have had. And most people don't get in trouble with their bosses or their significant others for making the safe decision. That's why we call it the safe decision. So what if you're not in the restaurant business? What if you're not trying to maximize your margins on a nice dinner or a bottle of wine? Maybe you offer a piece of software, or maybe you, like me, have a service offering which is priced as a reoccurring monthly retainer. How can you, knowing what we discussed here, take advantage of the decoy effect to increase sales and revenue for your business? When we discuss pricing a bottle of wine and introducing a decoy price, we're discussing what's called a fixed utility model. It's considered fixed because the margin on a $40 bottle of wine and a $200 bottle of wine in terms of percentage is relatively the same depending on the restaurant's markup. 
And in case you're wondering, the markup on a bottle of wine in a restaurant is usually 200 to 300% over the wholesale price, making that $200 bottle of wine a $50 bottle at Costco. But remember, we tell ourselves we're paying for the experience. Or in other words, the business is overcoming our rational choice to not buy that bottle of wine by using the experience to make us make an irrational choice. The decoy effect is what restaurants are using. But anyway, it's also considered a fixed model because there is no other variable beyond the pricing. Meaning if you buy the $200 bottle of wine, you're not gaining any extra features or any additional services in exchange for spending more, just hopefully a better bottle of wine. But most of our businesses are quoting services that contain multiple items, each containing multiple dimensions. For example, a flooring business would be quoting square footage multiplied by the cost of the flooring type. That's two variables or two dimensions. A marketing agency may be quoting multiple service lines, web plus SEO plus design, and then multiplying those services by labor hours so they have multiple dimensions. Enterprise software companies like Slack and Basecamp offer additional features at different price tiers. When you look at their pricing pages and almost any other software company, you'll notice something similar. There's usually a tier that is highlighted or labeled, you know, best value or most frequently bought. This is, if you've learned anything here, their competitor price. Anything to the right of it is likely a decoy, anything to the left of it likely a competitor price. You'll see this in the airline industry when you're purchasing flight tickets, you'll see it in the hotel industry when you're booking your room, your cell phone company selecting a plan, on and on and on. While additional variables in your pricing, whether it's labor, features, higher quality products, or higher price points, can make deploying decoy pricing a little bit more challenging, the authors of Market Boundaries and Product Choice prove that it still works. Even as variability is added, decoy pricing can still be used on both the bottom tiers and the top tiers to push buyers to the middle tier of pricing, where the target price sits, resulting in more purchases of the target price and higher overall revenue. And whether you realize it or not, a lot of us have been doing this already. What I've intentionally avoided saying until now, hoping some of you would get there before me, is good, better, best. Does that sound familiar? Good, better, best. Competitor, target, decoy. Honda, Mercedes, Ferrari, right? As a business owner, I've experienced countless standoffs during client meetings where typically I'll say, hey, what's your budget? And they'll say, I don't know, what should we spend? It's extremely common in these situations for everyone to agree that a good, better, best approach to the pricing is the rational outcome for everyone. The buyer feels like it will present them with the safer option. In fact, if you're the business owner or the one on the sales side of the conversation, you should encourage this approach. And when you get it, when you get buy-in on a good, better, best model, give yourself a little internal celebration or a little high five. Yay! because you get to go craft three distinct price points. Because if the research we talked about today holds true, and spoiler alert, it does, a good, better, best approach, competitor, target, decoy, means you're now more likely than the start of the meeting to get the price you wanted to get for your services. The next step is developing a framework to deliver your good, better, best model. Keep in mind that while landing on this approach should go in the win column for the business owner, it's incredibly important that you don't take advantage of the situation. You do still need to honestly and ethically create your price points, and you need to be prepared for the buyer to select any one of those three options you're presenting, and you do need to be able to deliver on all three of those prices. 
So what you can do is try to think about it this way. First of all, you know what you want to charge for your services, and you know what you think the buyer needs. After all, you're the expert, so I hope you can get there. Then start with a target price. Outline your best recommendation, the full service offering to meet the buyer's needs, whether it's KPIs, the development of a product, the design of a logo, whatever it happens to be. Set your target price first. Add a price that is worth your time, and it's a fair price to the buyer. The next thing you can do is look at that target price and intentionally extract some of the elements to build a lower cost option that's maybe not exactly what the buyer's asking for, but it still accomplishes a low cost version of what they asked for. For example, if they actually need a 20 page website and that's achieved in your target price, maybe the lower tier only provides 14 pages. Clearly not what the buyer wanted and unlikely to be what they will choose, but if they truly don't wanna spend what the target price costs, it does give them a lower cost alternative. Lastly, go back to your target price to build your decoy price by adding higher cost, great to have, but totally unnecessary items. In our website example, maybe it's a member payment portal or a live chat feature. Again, these are features that would be cool to have, they're fairly priced, but it pushes this price too far beyond what the buyer expected to pay. When packaged up and presented back to the buyer, this gives them the illusion of choice, the illusion that they have power in the negotiation. It gives them the chance to look at all three options and pick probably the middle target price and say that that's the safe choice. It will give them the chance to go back to their bosses, their wives, coworkers, and state as a matter of fact that they reviewed several options, they did their due diligence, they negotiated, and they chose what they deemed to be the best priced option, which to them, is the safe option. It also eliminates so much negotiation. It allows the business owner to say, well, I mean, if you don't like the price, there is that lower cost option. It's right there. Feel free to choose that one and we'll go down that path. Again, we know in most cases they won't do this. You as the business owner are happy because you charged what you wanted to charge and sold what you wanted to sell. The buyer is happy because they feel safe and secure and happy with their decision, while also feeling like they effectively negotiated. This is your double positive. This is Dallas McLaughlin, and that was another episode of Unconsidered. If you made it this far, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. If you're interested, there's links to all of the research and a full episode transcript at my website, dallasmclaughlin.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice and consider sharing it with a friend of yours. Until next time, keep working hard and have fun.